Hey, welcome to another episode of the Rock Therapy Show on Musicians on the Record. It's not talk therapy, it's rock therapy, where we have conversations about music and mental health. I'm David Ward, licensed psychotherapist and unlicensed drummer. And my next guest has an amazing, inspiring story. Quite frankly, a riches to rock bottom to redemption story, actually. We're going to be talking with Leif Garrett on the show today. Leif Garrett was one of the biggest music stars in the world in the mid to late 1970s, making records, touring the world on the cover of magazines, dating famous actresses, and hanging out with rock stars like Queen, Aerosmith, and Zeppelin. And whether you were into his music or not, there are some good lessons on the Rock Therapy Show today, some great reminders, and he's got quite a story. He's also written a book telling the tale where you can pick it up wherever you can buy books called Idle Truth, and it reads like an amazing flashback to that period in time. It's great. We started our Rock Therapy Show interview with Leaf talking about going through a difficult time in his family. I mean, I could use some couch time. I just recently lost uh, my dad. I'm sorry to hear it. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand. It's such as life, and that's yeah, yeah. that's okay. Um, it's you know, I've been dealing with it, and that's you know, sure. that's part of life. It's just yeah. it's harder than you, people think, and especially yeah. when you know I was caretaking for three years before that. That's a lot. And then and now um, you know I've got my mom living with me, hmm. and um, you know, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, it's a lot. Um, and it's not like I, 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 you know, as hard as it is, it's not like I, I would ever bow out and say, okay, that's it. Right. You know, send them, send them both to a home or whatever. Or I, one of them, or I would never do that because I, I believe in the adage, treat others as you want done unto yourself. Yes. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure, you bet. You bet. Yeah, yeah but it's sort of the challenge is how do you take care while giving care around all of that? Because that's a lot of work. Pretty right? much, man. Yeah. And and also, I don't know if people really realize um, how how much time it involves because yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to, like, I've been trying to promote a book. Yeah, right, <laughs> um, right. Uh, you know, rebuild or reinvent a career. Yeah. Um, and, mm -hmm. and do this at the same time and deal with two sisters who, uh, you know, because I was also, uh, put in charge of the trust. Okay. Yep. So I got a lot on my plate right now and it's really intense. Sure. Sounds it. Sounds it. Yeah. Yeah, well, certainly we could talk about any and all of that that you'd want. Because I, I think one of the things that I like, you know, with doing this, Leif, is, mm -hmm. you know, you get to share whatever you want. But certainly with your with your sort of career and your reach, whatever you decide to share, I think could be helpful to a lot of other people uh, going through some similar circumstances, too. Because when they see folks like, oh, this this guy who reached the top of the mountain even has human challenges and struggles, right? So, Well, I agree with you. And that's a thing that has been a running theme in my life that, or I'm sure with many people, even such as yourself, mm. you know, people don't really understand or, or they just somehow think you're different yeah. Because you're on the radio or on television or right. a musician or whatnot, you know, right. when you're really just the bottom line is you're a human being. Right. 
and we all go through the same things, man. There's life and death and, and, and sickness and, and, uh, issues that, you know, that family stuff that right. is, is very challenging and very, you know, but my life has pretty much been an open book and, um, I, I don't mind that. Um, you know, when, when I know that I've opened the book or someone's opened the book, you know, when I, when I'm at home and I, and I, you know, have try and have the sanctuary, the, the getaway, the, the place of peace. Yeah. Um, that's when, you know, I, I get maybe, you know, like I've had people just show up at my house. Really? And yo, yeah, man. I used to have people sleeping outside my, my front door. Wow. Uh, that was when I was younger, of course. Now yeah. it's, you know, they get a hotel room. Put <laughs> um, <laughs> down the street. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, but show up and be like, you know, hey, you know, mm. it's like, yeah. you you know, you owe me. Right. Owe you what? Right. You know, what do I what do I owe you? Well, I bought your records and, and <laughs> you know, yes, I agree that you're the reason that I'm able to do what I like to do. And, um, and I, I'm very appreciative and, yes. but there's gotta be some downtime for myself. Right. You know, uh, but, just as, as, as any human being needs. Right. But people seem to, we think there's this sort of agreement that, I mean, you, you make the music, we, we, you know, enjoy it. Uh, mm-hmm. but the, some people think that there's more owed or, or kind of an agreement. Right. I think people think that because, you're a celebrity or so to speak, you know, the, that whenever you're out in public and I kind of have to agree with this because how can you not? Mm-hmm. I think there's boundaries. Like when you go out in public, you know, um, like here's an example, Justine Bateman and I used to go out mm-hmm. and as you know, she was on family ties yes. and, and, um, and my, you know, myself, both of us being celebrities, whatnot, we're out at dinner one night and, Somebody walks over to uh, the table, and we're it literally just got served our food, and we, we've had a couple of bites, and we're eating, and and, and Justine's uh, taking a bite, and somebody grabs her arm and says, "No, no, no, don't take that bite. Sign this." Wow, it's like, and she 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 kind of flipped out a little bit, you know, yeah. and I I have a little more restraint than that. Uh, I'm a little more diplomatic. Uh, whereas, you know, some people it's difficult, you know, or is, you know, maybe, you know, thought of as uh, that they have the right to do that. And I think that there, there could be that right, but you know what, it's important because what that person walks away with the memory of meeting you and whatnot, they will remember you being diplomatic and being kind and nice and saying, Hey, you know, do you mind? I mean, I'll, okay, I'll sign this right now. But if it's like a bunch of different things, you know, it's like, can we finish our meal? And then, right. you know, gladly, you know, sign whatever you want or take any photos you want, whatnot. But, you know, we're here on a date, right? you know, and, and that should be, you know, a boundary that should be respected. Right. But I think that when celebrities and, and people in the public's eye are out in public, that's your fair game, you know? Yeah. The boundaries seem much different. Yes, absolutely. I think it's wrong when, you know, there's photographers. See, I'm just so glad back in the day when I was like, as people say, the Justin Bieber of the 70s, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. that there weren't the telephone, well, they were the telephone, but they weren't using helicopters and whatnot to photograph you, you know, in your private space. 
from from an angle where they could get you in your private space. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Amazing. And I just you, think that that's just wrong. Sure. No, no question. And I mean, this was you know, a time in the, you know, the late seventies was yeah. the, the boom for you. And this was way before social media and all of that. Yeah. H- how do you feel like that has affected you? Wow, man. You know, it's, it's funny. It's just a, that's a really good question to ask me right now because I'm dealing with that as we speak. I, um, as much as I see, I didn't even want to get a cell phone. I didn't even want a cell phone. I didn't want to be that available to anybody. You know, I mean, and I don't mean, you know, like my girlfriend or my mom or my dad, but, you know, I didn't want to be that available to like, you know, an agent or a manager calling and, you know, and now the way the game is played is like, everything is instant. It is like, you know, it's a disposable world and everything is instant. Like if you can't get a hold of somebody on two, three rings of the phone, it's like, you know, you get it, you get it angry. You know, it's, 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 it's crazy because everyone expects you to be that of it. But like I said, I didn't want to even have a cell phone and I waited out, you know, I held out for the longest time, but now I understand you have to play the game the way the game is being played. You can't, you can't make the rules, right? You know, the rules are made and this is the game and this is the way the, the, it's played and you've got to go by it or you just, do what you do and hopefully it works or, you know, it, maybe it doesn't, you know, whatever, but you have to understand the, the, you know, the way that the masses, if you will, we, the people for the people, uh, works, you know? Right. Yeah. It's definitely new world, new rules. Right. And, uh, absolutely, man. You know, but the, the, the thing I, and but I read, you get that. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the, going back to your dinner, uh, story with Justine Bateman, the average person, if somebody came up to them (laughs) and grabbed their arm at dinner and said, sign this, people don't even think about like, well, that's an intrusion, right? Right. No, most people would, would, would be like, what, what the fuck? Excuse my language. Yeah, you can swear. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah. What are you doing? Like what, you know, or stand up and punch them, you know, whatever. But you know, that's just, it, there's, it's, it's, people think sometimes, and it's not everybody. It's just some people that think that being a celebrity means that you're uh, almost like a robot, or you're, you're you know you're like a, a, a I don't even know like you're not human. It's, right. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. Smart. I'm dealing with like I'm right now. I'm trying to get on like to deal with like. It's funny because I did try it for a short time uh, a little earlier on, like mm-hmm. uh, a, a couple of years ago. I, tr- you know, uh, there was a, there's a chat line like. Yeah. There's a bunch of fans that I have, and I have an amazing fan base. I just absolutely adore my fans yeah. because I don't know. Maybe other people have it as as loyal too, like maybe Elvis did and other stuff like that, yes. and the Beatles and whatnot. But my fan base, they're they're just so loyal and so awesome, and uh, they have like a chat room on Saturday nights where they just talk about me. And it's like you guys, okay, wow, <laughs> get a get a life. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but but it's like you know um, that I have to. I t- I went on to try and talk to him, and no one believed it was me. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you know I'm trying to convince him it's me, and it's like right. I wasted a half hour when I could have been speaking <laughs> with them and saying hello, trying to convince him it was me. Right. Right. So it's crazy. It. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Oh, right? man. 
Yeah, it's it definitely a whole new world. I've been reading some of your book, Idle Truth, and I, I want there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, the the mid to late seventies was quite a time for for music, and you yeah. know when I talk with folks who write their books, especially from you know back in the day, and we've all had obstacles and challenges. I'm curious, what was it like emotionally for you going through some of these stories of from your first you know big break to you know, right. where things are today. What, what's your, what was your emotional journey you went through writing this? Oh, it's been such a roller coaster ride. Um, you know, the ups and downs, and that's true with everybody's life. There's no such thing as that perfect level plane. And plus, if it was, it would be so boring and monotonous, right. we right. would hate it. Yeah. You know, so it's, as much as we get upset as human beings at the bad times, the, uh, the way I try and live my life is I, I try to walk the walk and talk the talk. I want to be honest and I, and I, I, I want to be, um, I, I want to be as real as I can be, uh, with everybody, you know, with everything. And, um, it was like, I, I was very young when I started out on the road and I didn't have a parental figure with me. Um, it was a management company and, uh, I've, I, you know, I've been such a, at a young age involved in an adult world, you know, like, yeah. you know, the, the acting and stuff like that and whatnot. But when you're on the movie set or television set, when you're in town or at home or in the United States, whatnot, or even if it's somewhere abroad, um, usually have a parent with you. And that yeah. was always the case with me and my sister. And, um, but, uh, as soon as the music thing started, when I started getting recognition in the teen magazines and, uh, the, the management company that came and the, or the producer, Michael Lloyd came and said, you want to make a record? I'd always loved music, but I was not a musician. I was an actor. And even that I started out doing that starting when I was like five, six years old, you know? Um, it wasn't like, I was like, mom, let me, I want to be an actor. You know, my mom wanted to do it, and then she introduced the agent to us, and the agent said, hey, you, you know, let's sign the kids up, too. And we all started working. So, you know, it just sort of took off, and then it became my calling, so to speak, you know, although I think my real calling was a race car driver. Um, <laughs> did you do uh, Did you do some of that? I actually, I'm, that's something I want to do right now. And I'm right. trying to put that together. Cool. But yeah, um, you know, so being out on the road, I used to cry myself to sleep a lot of times being in these gigantic hotel suites, yeah. you know, um, by myself and uh, away from home. And I couldn't leave the hotel without like security team and all this other stuff. Right. Just because people, you know, there was just people would pull at your hair and your clothing and whatnot and everything. And that is a really incredible thing to go through Man. because it's not only, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's, it's something that it, it's, it's very, uh, it, it feels good, but it doesn't. Yeah. It's like somebody asked me one time, what's the worst thing about being a teen? Or what's the best thing about being a teen idol? I said, the girls. And, and then they said, well, what's the worst thing? I said, the girls, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, 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 that's, that's when people don't know sometimes when to flip the switch or yes. like their, their, their enthusiasm or their, uh, desires or wants or whatever yes. are different from your timing. You know, yeah. they literally wanted a piece of you. 
Yeah, literally. Hair, skin, literally. whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Was there a and reason? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Go on. I was just curious. Was there a reason why your mom wasn't there, didn't go on the road with you, Leif? Well, I think the management, the Scotty brothers, were really the ones who were instrumental in that because okay. not only was my sister uh, working and, and mom was there with her, you know, I mean, my sister and, and my mom worked in uh, Africa on uh, uh, the uh, Born Free uh, stuff. And so, like, there were times, you know, when it wasn't, it wasn't feasible for all of us to be together or my mom to go out on, with me. But it also it was it was uh, I think a financial thing as well. Yeah. You know, having a you know my mom obviously would have stayed in the same room as me, but it looks it, it maybe it just didn't work as far as what they were thinking. Is you know, a young man at his like you know sort of age of becoming a man, right? Um, having mommy, right? Yeah. You know, sure. but at the same time. It's like I sort of needed a grounding point, yeah. you know, instead of having somebody who I just met, a road manager going out or the manager going out with me. Yes. You know, and uh, and so also the downside of that is that when you don't have a parent around, those guys, the A&R guys and yeah. not the road manager or the manager so much and, and matter of fact, not at all, but there were other issues, but. Um, and you'll read about that in the book, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is that, you know, they're offering you drugs and stuff because they think yeah. of you as an adult. Sure. Because I was never around that. You know, and it wasn't until the, 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 the music industry that I was introduced to that stuff. Yeah. And can I ask, how old were you about when that all started for you? Well, it, it, and, and it was different for each drug. Um, mm -hmm. Marijuana, the first time was, I think I was uh, about 15. Okay. And uh, or right before I turned 15. And that's about the same age as when I lost my virginity. Uh, well, I gave it away. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and as far as like harder drugs like Coke and stuff like that, that was not until I was like 16. But it's still, still, it's 16. That's yeah, like... Still pretty young. Very young, yes. you know? I mean, I'm still de developing mentally right. and trying to deal with issues of this this grandeur of, of like, life is just this incredibly celebrated or I'm this celebrated. It's like, it's like being a prince or, or yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yes. that's sort of weird... You know, like people always, you know, wanting to know you, be around you when they don't know you at all. Right. And 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 uh, just are infatuated or uh, intrigued by your look, your your style, your whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and well, you know, one of the things I was wondering about is, you know, you're 15, 16, this machine is being built around you to, yeah. you know, make you the star. How much control or say did you have uh, music? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm getting the picture, but please say say more about that. Yeah, yeah let me, please. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I had none. I had none. Um, you know, and it's a shame too, because if they, the, and I'm, when I say they, I speak of the, the management, it wasn't the record label, Atlantic records, they were amazing. 
And it was the management, uh, the Scotty Brothers, that took me off of the label early, off of the contract, and started their own label, and um, and and realized that uh, they could make a lot more money that way. But the thing is, they never thought long term. Yeah. Because when I was in Europe, uh, uh, this is like seventy eight, seventy nine. Uh, new wave start happening, right. you know, uh, yeah. that sort of stuff. And I got a hold of, because I met them, I was doing a, a German television show with a, a couple of them. <laughs> One was the band M Factor, well, it was okay. really just a person, uh, who did the song Pop Music. Yes. Uh, new York, London, Paris, Munich, everybody talk about pop music, you know, yes. that song, right. which became a big hit in America. And then also De Commissar, which is by Falco. And and there was another one, and I'm blanking the name right now. But those I brought three songs back uh, from Europe uh, with me, and I said, okay, I got the okay from the writers and the producers and whoever owned it, you know, publishing wise, uh, to do the songs. And we got the okay; these songs are going to be hits. Well, I was told by the head of the label, Tony, that that I didn't know what I was talking about, and they know what to do, and I should just, you know, shut up. Yeah. You know, do it, do what I'm told, and uh, and everything will be fine. Well, that didn't, that's not the case, you know. Right. It's as we know, there's long, there's a certain amount of time for a teen idol. Yeah. I believe, and I truly believe this. That, and it, this is just of my own, uh, you know, happenings and 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 witness that a teen idol's career only lasts at the most five years, unless you are able to cross over and start appealing to people uh, in the adult world. Because right. when you're a teen idol, it's infatuation yes. and, and premature child lust. Right. When you're starting to have feelings of, of sexual nature. Right. But as soon as the, the person has sex, and I don't mean the per, like me, a teen idol, so I mean the people you know, buying the records and stuff, when they, then they move on to Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, right. The right. Stones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a more mature uh, uh, understanding, if you will, of lyrical content and uh, musical emotion. Right. Right. We grow up, right? Right. We grow up. So unless we grow up with the audience or let them grow up with me, then it, it's, we're done after five years. Because you can't keep doing the bubblegum pop stuff and and then think as a forty year old man or thirty five year old man or whatever yeah. that that stuff's going to work. And is that were you feeling good about the music that you were making at the time, or were you inspired or listening to other? I mean, you mentioned like Falco, yeah. and and uh, were you listening to other things too that you were into? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved the the disco period because there was a lot of great music. Yeah. Um, for the most part, most people just can't, you know, rockers and things like that. They say it sucked and it was horrible and it's, you know, whatnot. But there was a lot of great music and a lot of people from that era, like Nile Rodgers and, and, and people like, you know, producing Duran Duran. So there was good music. I like disco. I like dance music. I like funk. I like, you know, the dance music stuff. But I also like, you know, uh, rock, hard rock. I like pop rock. I like classical. I like the only music that I'm not really keen to or, you know, or gravitated to is, is I think polka. 
Uh, and <laughs> that's <laughs> and a niche audience. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. yeah. a niche audience. Right. You know, there's some good Western stuff. I like Johnny yeah. Cash, whatnot. Sure. But yeah. for the most part, you know, I, I'm not really into the twang, yeah. if you will. But there's this great music and stuff. But I liked the music I was doing. But I knew that I wanted to do other stuff. You know, because I was originally really into like Elton John, uh, Led Zeppelin. That was really the stuff that I was listening to. So to do the stuff, that's fine because, you know, that's what it was happening at the time. And that's okay. Right. You know, I mean, even the Stones had to address it. That's right. You know, and and Zeppelin, you know, the Stones had to come out with Miss You. Yes. You know, because that's what was happening. And that's a great dance song. But you just incorporate it into your style and then, you know, it's all good. Right. And you have a chapter on, I was curious about, you know, you've got a chapter <laughs> on Zeppelin and Queen and Joe Perry in your book. Yeah. Uh, tell, can you tell a couple of stories about your connections with them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the best is, uh, and this one, this is the best story. I love this story because it's, it's just so, it encompasses encompasses like you know a a fan me yeah uh, and being a fan I mean and, you know me at the time and me also being famous for right. doing music and stuff but uh, I was on a plane to uh, to uh, Germany to Munich and uh, uh, it just so happens that Andy Gibb God you know rest yes. in rest in peace yes. young man um, that. Um, you know, uh, we were at the same time to promote our records and we were staying at the same hotel, oddly enough, you know, and we befriended each other on the plane. And then, you know, uh, we got to the hotel around the same time. And as we're both standing there checking into the hotel, um, the elevators are off to the left, um, from the, uh, counter and, uh, and you hear the ding and then, you know, automatically you, you know, you look over because it's a noise or whatever. It's like Pavlov's dog. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, out walks the entire band queen. Now I was a fan from the, you know, long before I started doing anything yeah. and I, you know, it was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I, you know, and that was a moment when I really felt what it was. Cause that was the first time I'd ever really got to meet anyone that I admired, you know, and later on I met, you know, other people as well, but, but I, I, it was just, Oh my God, my jaw dropped, whatever. And as Freddie and the rest of the band, the rest of the band just walked by, it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Freddie does a double take like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, because of his persuasion or sure, use sure. Of what he was, his persuasion and whatnot. Right. And so I go up to the, uh, we check in, go up to the hotel room. I think nothing of it. I just, I didn't even say hello or anything. And uh, I go up to the room and I get up to the room that the light's flashing on. This is what used to happen on the hotels up in Europe. It is that they had a little light flashing on. And, and when you had a message, and so I called down, I said, you know, and they said, well, Mr. Mercury left you a, an envelope. I was like, what? Oh, my God. You know, I didn't even take the elevator. I ran down the steps to the front mm-hmm. desk and uh, grabbed the envelope. And it was a half a gram of cocaine. Great. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, great. Thanks, Freddie. That um, was a, that was and, his hello, right? Yeah. yeah, that's his hello and an invite to come to the studio. Wow. And he also gave one to Andy. So Andy and I spoke, and we were like, we both went to the studio. And whether whether they used him or not, I don't know. But we both did uh, some background vocals for the mm-hmm. game. Wow. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. And I stayed yeah. friends with uh, Roger. Yes. Um, and uh, he and I. 
uh, state friends, you know, still are. Amazing. Yeah, that's quite an introduction then, right? So uh, Amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, really. And Welcome to a, Rock and Roll, young lad. No doubt. <laughs> that's a great album, too, The Game. So, yeah. Oh, it's a great record. Great yes. record. So that's Queen. And what about Zeppelin? How did you, what, what's your connection with Zeppelin, can I ask? Well, I just met, I only, you know, I've, I've only met Jimmy once briefly uh, at, an Atlant- at an Atlantic Records, that's hard to say quickly, yeah. um, uh, party in Los Angeles. But I, uh, that's where I also met Robert. Uh, and uh, got to actually speak with him for a little bit. And that was, you know, I also met him backstage at his uh, first solo tour, uh, Pictures at 11, his record Pictures at 11 that he did. And it just so happens that I was sitting right next to Rod Stewart, who Hmm. I'm actually friends with that I used to play soccer with uh, quite often. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very lucky that I got to meet my idols as well as uh, befriend them. Yes, right. You know? Yeah, and make some music with them as well, it sounds like. So. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, God, I would love to have written some songs with any one of them. Right, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, no doubt. yeah. What was, when you look back, Leif, what was the sort of highlight or some of the highlights for you, in addition to what we're talking about, that you just went, yeah. you felt really good about with your music and your career that just makes you happy today? Well, you know, I, I've I've been a big, large, almost all of it. Even though my biggest single was an original, mm-hmm. most of my career musically was doing remakes. Mm-hmm. And um, the the record that I did with Rick Finch in Florida is my favorite record, and it's uh, it's I'm I'm, I'm I like that record a lot. I'm, I'm quite proud of it. And I think they're, they're really good song choices. You know, there was the Who's Can't Explain, which is the album title. Yes. And uh, did the Fleetwood, the old Fleetwood Mac, like Fleetwood Mac before people know Fleetwood Mac rumors. Uh, when, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, oh my Peter God, Green? His name. Yes, Peter. thank you. Yeah. Right, exactly. Who did uh, these, you know, the song. Of, anyway, yeah. irrelevant. Um, it's called uh, Bear Trees. And then did, you know, Jay Ferguson's, you know, run, run, run. So anyway, we did a bunch of really good songs like that. And then that was the very first time that I wrote a song with Rick and Tony Battaglia, who was the guitar player, uh, who was a studio cat who worked with uh, the Eagles and and, and many other people, um, that we wrote this song called uh, uh, Love So Cruel. And I happened to write that song uh, about uh, Tatum O'Neill. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Uh, interesting enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and but I'm I'm actually proud of that record. And as soon as I came back, that was the first time I was able to get away from Los Angeles and be away from the management, be away from the label and everyone, and and be alone and do the record. Since I came back with the two, and this is back when two inch tape was everything was recorded on two inch tape, right. not you know yeah. analog, <laughs> digital. Right. Analog, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, came back with the tapes under my arm and said, "Here, listen. You know, I'm very proud of them here, and let's hear." And I, you know, let's listen to this. And so he said, ah, no, no, "No, here, you listen to this." Yeah. And it was a song that that his staff writer uh, had written called uh, "Come Back When You Grow Up, Little." No, it was it? No, it was. Uh, 
Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, I dislike those songs so much that I don't even remember the title. Okay. Um, okay. But it didn't represent the album that I that we just finished. And he said, well, we're going to record this and put this on the record. I'm like, why? This is the record here. This, he said, well, because this is a single. Mm-hmm. Well, they released that song first. It did, I think, well, I think my mom, my sister, my grandmother, and maybe a cousin bought you know, yeah. one of them. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was it. So it was like, it didn't represent the record. It never had a chance from the, from the get go. And I think that they wanted me to fail to begin with because mm. they didn't want me to see that I was able to do something without them. I see. Yeah. So, yeah. You were starting to grow as an artist, it sounds like, and be, and move beyond the teen pop star. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know why why they didn't from the beginning because when they first met me and I first met them rather they, they you know they they you know can you sing I'm like well you know I'm yeah you know I'll, you know I can try you know mm-hmm. I you know I had to learn trial by fire you know and there was a lot of time in the studio having to punch things in and whatnot and double and all that and everyone still doubles and triples and whatnot yep. although now it's even tied or whatever the voice uh, pitch modulation that they have yes you know what makes it correct and whatnot but we didn't have that then and and you know yeah. didn't want to i just wanted to become a singer i wanted to become a good singer and um they you know didn't even think about that they just were thinking about selling records and that's it. And didn't think longevity, like I said. And, you know, it, it's just a shame because it could have worked. It could, it could have been something that, you know, like Justin, I mean, not Justin, but uh, uh, yeah, just Timberlake made a nice crossover. Mm, I mean, yes. you know, that's a, it's a great thing, you know, right. and, and that's, that's, that's how it can go. Right. But they thought, you know, that, that I was unruly. <laughs> and I've been a bit of a rebel, I, I suppose, my whole okay. life. But okay. um, that's all good and whatnot. Yeah. But there you go, you know. Yeah. So. so when did things start to get challenging for you with them? Uh, whether that w- there was a break there, or just your own uh, frustration or dissatisfaction with where your career was being directed? Well, it was after. I mean, I didn't. Well, I wasn't really down with what I started with. But it was okay, and it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the image, uh, because I was. I was a skateboarder surfer, and okay. so they were like, okay, well, hey, you know, obviously it makes sense. We're going to do a Beach Boy remake. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So wow. we did that. And honestly, and, I, and I'm being very honest here, I didn't even own a Beach Boys record. Yeah. And, you know, and I wasn't really into the Beach Boys. Yeah. I, I've come to appreciate them so much more in my latter years, um, you know, Pet Sounds is an amazing record and, yes. and, and, and their production and stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's like I've always gravitated a little more towards the harder, you know, more realistic, I think. I, well, realistic's not a, the right word. I think just in, in my emotions and feelings, I've gravitated towards more, you know, angry or, you know, whatnot. But it was really, that was really the, the, the breaking point when I came back with that record from Florida with having done it with Rick and, and, uh, it you know, he, Tony had called a meeting and, and 
literally jumped up on the table and was like, you know, shut up, kid. You don't know anything. We'll tell you what to do. You do what we say, and that's it. It's like, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to finish out the contract, and I'm out of here. And that's what happened, you know, instead of moving on and, and doing something good because they continued on with the same. I did two more records after that that were terrible. You know, I mean, it, it, for me, they were terrible. Yeah, Maybe, you were not you know, happy with them. I, I just wasn't into them. Yeah. You know, because I wanted to change and grow. I didn't right. want to continue being, you know, the tight pants, spandex little kid. Right, right. <laughs> right. That was where you started, but that's not who who you right. were or where you wanted to go musically. Right. Yeah. Right. So what about today then? Where Where is it that you want to go either musically or career-wise? I wondered, you started with movies, are you yeah. wanting to do that again? Yeah, that's that's my my main focus right now is um, just promoting the book, but I'm also, I, I've got a couple other things that, I, that I'm writing, and I have another book that I'm writing um, that is would be a follow-up to this. And, um, but I want to act. I, I miss acting. Yeah. It's something that I really enjoyed and I really want to do again. I, I mean, I, when I got The Outsiders, I had to earn that role. I didn't get that role because I was a teen idol. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a, you know, a, a big, big win for me. You know, yeah. it made, it, it actually made me feel good. And I, and I had no idea at the time that I was offered a, uh, two-picture deal contract from Paramount and Universal and uh, because they, they turned it down, the the management turned it down uh, without my even knowing about it, didn't, you know, tell me about it. And and I would have loved to have continued doing some stuff because we, we could have done both, but their thinking was just, you know, concentrate on the music and that's it. And just, uh, yeah, I mean, wait, I think I'm hearing a theme, Leif, as far as a lot of decisions got made for you, not necessarily you got to make them. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, that's what it's sounding <laughs> like to me. Yeah, so, no, you're right. That's exactly right. And now, yeah. my, you know, I'm so happy right now with my, uh, you know, my uh, life as far as uh, my career goes, even though I'm not on the A-list like I'd like to be right now, mm-hmm. but I am, I'm happy with that. No matter what I do, it's only going to be me with possibly, well, not being possibly, I, obviously that's why you have a team around you to ask advice, yeah. Yeah. but making the final decisions will be me. Right. And that's where I want to be because ultimately then I can live and die by the sword. That's right. Yeah. But it'll be your choices. It'll be my choices. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, what we talk about on the the rock therapy, some of the stuff we talk about are sort of the successes as well as the challenges. And you've been, you know, really open and obviously with your book around, you know, recovery stuff and what you've went through that. I don't know if you want to talk any about that, but I was curious when, when the, whatever you want to call it, when the fame started fading, uh-huh. What did you go through with that as far as I would imagine any kind of anxiety or depression oh, or anger? Yeah. What happened Absolutely. to you? Absolutely. It was, you know, that was a tough time because um, not only was I, uh, I, I you know, uh, um, Nicolette and I had broken up and, and, uh, and I, you know, I was going out with Justine uh, and she, you know, her, her career was at its pinnacle at the time. Yeah. And 
you know, um, it was kind of tough. And I'm, and I'm trying to try and think about reinventing. But I had such a strong appeal, I guess, an image for people. And, and it still does. Like, I'm still selling photos. And it's something that I've just realized that I, I just I don't want to do anymore. Okay. As much as I, I don't mind. You know, them wanting to, you know, own the photos from back in the day. Mm -hmm. But that's like, okay, that's 30-something years ago now, right, guys. Right, yeah. Okay, this yeah. is now, I, I, I'm a different person. Right. And let's, you know, give give this person a chance. Right. You know, if you liked me then, give me a chance now. Yeah. You know, and I understand a lot of people were very upset and, and, and have abandoned me because of my uh, uh, drug abuse that, that happened and whatnot, but that was really me, uh, numbing. It was, it was a anesthesia, you know, I, yeah. I, I really, it, I, I was feeling so many angry emotions that, um, this is, was, was a way of, of masking that. Yeah. And, and then of course, like everyone does later on, you realize that, well, hopefully they do, is that you have to deal with the issue that made you start doing it in the first place. Right. When I very first started trying stuff, I always thought, you know, okay, well, my idols do it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to try it to see other different doors open up. Maybe there's a different way of thinking yeah. and stuff like that. And I've had the the wonderful uh, ability, uh, 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 time to hang out with Timothy Leary and spoke with him quite a lot and stuff. But that's one sort of side of things there's so many different sides of life and there's never one track or one route that someone can take like a freeway or a, a, a you know expressway or whatnot you have to find what's right for you but you have to deal with the the things that make you it, it's it's a problem when a ritual becomes a habitual yeah, well said you know and 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 it's it, it was tough. It was really tough, and that's I, I was just masking stuff and 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 numbing and and it, I'm I'm bummed. It took a long time, but at the same time, everything happens for a reason, and I believe that. And when it when, timing is is timing, fate is fate, and what happens happens. And when you make decisions, they're made when you make them for a reason. Yeah. You know, I wasn't mature enough then to understand what I needed to do and what I needed to do to get where I want to be. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's only now. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of fame and a lot of stuff thrown at a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid. And then suddenly, if it's gone in a few years, yep. there's a, a lot of feelings. What, was, what, was the, what changed with that? What was the bottom for you that you hit Life that you went okay. I, I need to do something different than than what I'm doing. Well, when you know the, the car crash was 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 something that was a big signal and a big thing. Um, but in a weird way, I sort of skated through that too. You know, I never I didn't have to do jail time when I. It was when I went to jail when I did three months in county jail. That was the bottom line, dude. That was yeah. literally. And that mugshot that haunts me still today, that is the most horrific photo that I've ever taken. And, and, and at the same time, it's the best photo that I've ever taken. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, 
it really, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it unless you've been through it. It's, I mean, jail, first of all, is just, man, county is supposedly worse than prison. And I thank God I never went to prison. But, you know, when I, you know, I've spoken quite a lot with my friend, Robert Downey, um, about it. And he went to prison for five years, man. And that's, you know, that was a long time. It's huge. And, and, but three months for me in county jail was more than enough. Mm. And, yeah. and that was just horrific. I mean, I had at one point, I was one of the, uh, the, uh, guards in the, in the, the prison or the, uh, county jail said, this lady guard says, uh, so what, what, whatever, what happened to you, man? It's like, oh man, really? You're going to ask me that while I'm cuffed yeah. and you're taking me to my cell right, right now. Oh, and so they sat me down this one part and, and I could hear them in the other room. They went into the other room and, and they shut the door and they hear them and they're laughing and whatnot. And then they come back, um, uh, come back out and hand me the, my a photo of me when I was younger in my like heyday, mm. and says, "Yeah, look at you now, you loser." I was mm. like, "Wow, you know, thanks. That's right. really." But they don't treat anyone humanly there. Right. You know, they don't. Right. It's it's you're treated like a. a Worse than an animal, and animals shouldn't be treated like that anyway. I have more respect for animals than most humans, honestly. Right. You know? Yeah, and it sounded like you you needed help and support versus punishment right. with that, and you know, n- right. n- no one does this alone. I think so. I was curious who who were some of those people that helped you in that process to to get back on the right road. Well, my mom has always been there for me, no matter what. Yeah. You know. Um, Dad, not so much. Dad actually, you know, a couple times, you know, it doesn't matter. But mom, mom was always there. And my mom has always supported me and, and, and been my champion, no matter what. And, you know, I don't know if that's a a perfect good thing or not. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's a little of both. I probably could have used a little more discipline in my life when I was younger. Honestly, yeah. Um, but my mom was always there for me, and then, you know, and and I, there's a couple of really good friends that have never left me, you know. And then there's been the Fairweather friends too, and you find sure. out who your friends really are. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's easy for a lot of folks to get into you know using substances as coping skills or tools. <laughs> what what are the tools that you use today that help you instead of that? What what are some of those lessons that you've learned? Sports, meditation, yeah. food. I like to cook. Cool. Um, masturbation. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Only because I don't have a girlfriend right yeah, now. Yeah, got it. I got it. Got um, it. But you got to keep regular. That's anyway, right. um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, you know, things like that. It's like it's really idle hands. The devil will find work for idle hands to yeah. do. Right. And I believe that, you know, whoever the, the devil may be for you, you know, yes, right. for me, it was narcotics. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but who, however you believe in, you know, God and the devil and all that sort of thing, there's a higher power. And that higher power, I believe, is just positiveness, yeah. because I believe the energy you put out is what you get back. And do unto others as you want done unto yourself. And, and, I, and I live by those. 
Great. And do you have a, a sort of support group, a group of folks, friends, family, whoever that supports you that when things are going well, or if you're having a tough moment that you can turn to and call or. Absolutely. My cousin, Peter, my mom, um, a couple of good friends. Hmm. Um, but that's pretty much it, you know, and that's okay. If you've got one good friend, one person that you can really, really know will be there no matter what. And, and, and be honest with you because I've always wanted people to tell me, look, you know, when I'm being an ass, yeah. Tell me when I'm being an ass. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't ever want to portray myself like that. Right. You know, and some, and I believe that I probably was, you know, sometimes when I was younger in my heyday, you know, and that's okay. But I just wish I had some more people around me saying, you know, Mm. instead of kissing my ass. Right. Yeah. And and wanting something from me, like me to pick up the bill again with my Gold American Express at 16, right. um, you know, tell me, you know, it's the truth. Right. Yeah, we need that it's feedback. The truth sometimes. will set you free. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Need the feedback, my friend. Absolutely. You bet. You bet. Oh, this is great, Leif. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, you're, you're wanting to do some acting. And uh, I, I think I saw a YouTube video of you recently maybe it was a while ago, but singing a stone song, maybe honky talk woman or something. So yeah, that was great. Oh, thank you. I've had my ups and downs there. You know, uh, I dealt with after the narcotics, you know, I dealt with like drinking quite a lot, you know, but just replacing one thing with another and realized that. And so I've, you know, kind of dealt with that and, uh, not kind of, I have dealt with that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's it's a great release uh, going and doing cover songs uh, yeah. at the uh, Whiskey Whiskey Go Go yeah. in Los Angeles, and uh, there's a it's a Tuesday night uh, you know uh, all star jam. Wow! And it's different people all the time, but I've gone up and played. It was awesome. Like I I, I met uh, you know uh, Robin Zander, the lead singer yeah. from uh, you know okay, and I met him Keep a long time ago. Right, it it uh, tramps in London, and uh, and it was a long time ago, man. But yeah. uh, and then saw him right right the night he got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow, yeah. And uh, we we played together that, on the stage that night, and it was just like great. It was just great. It came full circle. It was like a really yeah. cool thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's a great release to do that. But I also like to just get together and and like I I have a drum circle that I have sometimes come hmm. up people come to my house and Very cool. you know we just play drums, we have dinner and whatnot. Nice. And we're talking like djembe drums or a kit or No, we're talking about djembe, man. We're talking like yeah. congas, djembe, yeah. you it. know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm a drummer as well, and I've got a kit and oh, a right gym So, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, oh, right, right on, yeah, right on. Do you like the ceramic or do you like the wood? Because I've got both. Um, and I yeah, just recently ahead. bought some. Some uh, uh, I bought one when I was in South Africa. But this really killer, by, made by a tribe. Um, and then I bought one just recently that that was a, a Moroccan, really cool oh. wood and. And, and animal skin, wow. but you can, yeah, it, they're really cool and different sizes and you get the different tones. Yes. And whatnot, you know? Yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. I've got, a, I've got a wooden one and I haven't tried the ceramic. I'll have to try that. They also have the metal ones, which are very cool too. So yeah, I haven't heard those yet. Are, are they good? Yeah. Well, they're I small. They they're, different. Yeah. They're, they're de- definitely a different sound and they're a little bit smaller than the regular gem. Brighter, but, a brighter sound, right? Yeah. Like a definitely really bright, brighter. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 
So what haven't we talked about, Leif, that you, uh, before we sort of wrap up for today, that, that uh, you want to talk about or that you want folks to know? I just, if anything, and if anybody is interested in, in getting involved in the, in the business, um, it's really important to be, uh, and I hate to quote uh, Mr. Trump, Mm-hmm. But it's it, you know it's the art of the deal. You, it's yeah. really important to know the business side of things, mm-hmm. so that you are not taken advantage of. Yeah. You know it's it, you know concentrate on your art, but but understand and let other people handle it. But mm-hmm. just don't let them force you into something you don't feel right with. Don't believe your own press and and just know all sides of the business that you're involved in. Right, and it seems like that would have made a, a huge difference if someone was, you know, yeah. in your corner yeah, a little kinda. bit more. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah right? But I'm really glad that things, uh, you know, even we all have them, the the ups and downs of life, the challenges. It sounds like you're yeah. doing well today, which I'm really glad. Are you, are you happy? It sounds like you're happy. I'm, 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 I'm as happy as I can be right now. Yeah. 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 Especially with things that have going on with your folks and just losing your dad. Again, my condolences on that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And you know what? And that's okay. You know, there, there's, if it's always sunny and, 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 and bright and, and warm and, it's, it's, it's monotonous, you know, we got to have a little downtime to recognize the, you know, the, that's right. Absolutely. But I got to tell you, man, I, I, this is, I didn't expect this and, and I, I thank you. I, I really, I thank you so much, man. You really, uh, not only are you a good listener, but, um, you, you ask good questions. Man. Well, thank you. I, I, I'll take that in. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you and, and you doing this today. So very cool. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, David. Very cool episode. What did you think about that? We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it. You can check it out on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, musiciansontherecord.com. Until next time, I'm David Ward. Thanks for listening.